It's time for Loud Pipes. The podcast that brings you the best conversations relating to motorcycles, the riding experience, and other motoring adventures. Here are your hosts for this episode, Rich Warfield and John Maracle. Loud Pipes, episode 149. We have the Easy Rider show from Charlotte to talk about that we attended this weekend. Have a little bit of a U-turn on my RT ride from last episode. And we'll find out where Spider Silk has been in the last couple days. Johnny John, the Spider Silk, the riding fool. What are you drinking, John? Uh, let's see. I'm having some pink lemonade margarita mix. Oh, you saved it. I heard pink lemonade and I was, I was getting ready for the, the sloppy button. No, 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 no. It's got some Jose Cuervo in it. Ooh, little Cuervo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. Very nice. And, and what are you s- guzzling down? The gulp. I heard you made a trip to your favorite place, so I figured you got some more of that favorite beer of yours. Yeah, I did. After Easy Riders, we went over to OMB, but uh, everything that I purchased there went in the belly, so none of it, oh. none of it came home with me. <laughs> oh. So in instead, a couple of it got emptied out, right? Yeah, and instead I have Sierra Nevada's Ruthless Rye IPA. Awesome. So it's pretty good. I actually opened this a little bit before the show it's 6.6 percent alcohol and it's it's very good they um they they call it refreshing on the back no not refreshing what do they say uh ruthless rye is a is brewed with rustic grains for refined flavors combining the peppery spice of rye and the bright citrusy flavors of whole cone hops yeah it's a little citrusy but it's not as refreshing as like a you know, like a tangerine IPA, but it's still good. Good beer. Awesome. Sierra Nevada. So how you doing? You been riding at all? Or should, let me, let me rephrase. Let me just say, how far have you been riding? Not very far. Not very far? Too cold for you? Well, yeah, a little cold. Nothing really going on, but uh, not to get in our political news, but now the government's reopened, so now I can go back to work. Back to work. Back it's to not, work. Yeah. So that's kind of why the riding kind of came to a halt because I had to save those pennies. <laughs> now you have a job to do. <laughs> now, now I know what I'm going to be paid, so now I can go back to work. <laughs> nice. Because I have to be careful because I, I, I got this, you know, got to have a tire put on shortly, got to have the radiator flushed, mm-hmm. oil change. So, you know, that's going to be a few dollars. Yeah. All so things you could learn how to do yourself, but that's for another show. All right. Okay, we'll we'll continue on. <laughs> All right, let's hit the big topic for today. This week. Uh, well, this topic is going to be several all rolled into one. So the main event was the Easy Riders bike show here in Charlotte. That was just Saturday and Sunday of this past weekend, 
at the Park Expo Center here in Charlotte. And that's a change of venue this this year. We talked about it. It was a two-day show. Previously, it was um, reduced to one day, and it was always at the convention center uh, in Uptown Charlotte. So this year, it moved out a little farther to the, the Park Expo, a little closer to home, but still pretty much in the city, and um, a slightly different venue, which we'll definitely be talking about. So I took a bunch of pictures, shared those with Johnny John. We'll be talking about the bikes, of course. We'll be talking about Indian's FTR 1200, which I got to sit on for the first time. Some cars that we saw there. And most important part, John. Uh-huh. We bumped into our buddy Lloyd from uh, Lloyd's Motor Works and is now co-owner of Indian Motorcycles of Charlotte. And we last had him on the show, episode 72. So Now, is this the same dealership that uh, our buddy Aaron worked at? Correct, and where Rico bought his Roadmaster. Oh, okay. That's interesting. The oldest Indian dealership in the U.S., apparently. Really? The one in Charlotte? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Did not know that. Well, oldest of the the new Indian, I guess you would say. Uh, okay. Yep. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Talked to, talk to Lloyd for quite a while. Um, probably longer than we should have. And <laughs> my son Bryce was with me. He was such a trooper hanging out. You know, he just kind of hung by my side. He didn't, he didn't fuss and he was really a good sport about it. That's awesome. Now, well, since you said that, did he have a good time at the show? I think so. Yeah. He said he had a good time. He was tired. Of course it got late and, uh, we went with Sir Mike over to OMB afterwards and had a little something to eat and a beverage, uh, before we headed home. So, good evening. Just got home a little late for him. And he got home and crashed immediately? Pretty much. It was like shower in bed. (laughs) Ah, so no no fussing? (laughs) No. No fussing. That's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely a good time. But yeah, let's talk about the venue a little bit. So, um, the change in venue was interesting because the Park Expo is a little smaller. Well, much smaller than the convention center. And while the convention center does have different halls, if you will, the the main hall where Easy Riders was always held is just a, a massive space. And over the years, I think we even talked about this not last year. Maybe it was the year was the year before we got the snow. Or was that sixteen? Yeah, yeah, it was uh seventeen. No, it was seventeen. You're right. So in twenty seventeen there was snow and the crowd was thin. And last year it seemed to be thin too. So they had sort of condensed it within the main hall. So in hindsight, I'm not really surprised that it moved to where it did. But this this layout was a little different for me because they, they basically split it into like three sections. Okay. And, you know, Mike and I and, and Micah joined us as well. So Micah's another member of Clubhouse. So he walked around the show with us. Um, couldn't go to OMB after, but he did stay for most of the show. And we kind of talked about that. It see, almost seemed like there was what you would call like an A and a B section. So the A section up at the top was, you know, where the stage and the band was and most of the vendors, a lot of the big bikes, I'm sorry, big bike builders, you know, Indian was set up up there. And then you had a section down below for specifically for cars and then it was another wing 
around the side, they had more bikes, you know, more bikes and vendors. And there were some really cool bikes back there too, but it just had this sort of A and B feel to it. And I hope that people went in both directions because they would have missed quite a bit of the show if they didn't. Hmm. So, so that was kind of the negative is it just, it seemed to put a little split into the show. And when we went to the lower part, which we were kind of calling the B section, you know, it was much thinner in terms of the crowd. Oh. You know, and now granted I went there much later into the evening, but you know, it was pretty sleepy down there. Yeah. So question for you. Uh-huh. So look at the pictures. Yes, sir. It looks like my philosophy is still in effect. <laughs> oh boy. Which is? Those big bag big wheel baggers are still running about. Uh it's still a thing. And I think the wheels are getting bigger. I didn't think it was possible, but the wheels appear to be growing in size. Yeah, and I am I'm looking at your pictures and, and I'm sorry to say, but nothing really is like wow. The wow bike for me is is of course the older ones. You know, more of the vintage style, but there is a very clean bike that I want to point out to you and let me find it. Okay, well you point out to me. It was actually Sir Mike's number one pick so he sent his top four in the clubhouse earlier so his first one was also one of my picks what that the the one with a long rake no it's picture so if you're in cluster it's picture 41 it's a springer front end it's black um oh man i only have one picture it's like number 239 or so How'd you get to, how'd you get the picture number? Uh, well, just in the gallery, it's 41 of 1873. Okay. So another clubhouse perk is we have a, we have a long-term photo share site where we put pictures, specifically pictures we want to keep long-term. So we, we have the clubhouse for sharing little stuff day to day, but when we have big dumps of photos like these, they go into a different place. What number was it again? 41. So it's uh, jockey shifted. And actually, awesome. it's all foot controls except the throttle. Okay. Yeah. So it's a black older Harley, Springer front end. The only chrome on it really is the chain guard. Yeah. See that it's one? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just super clean, super well done. I can't, I can't tell what the engine is. If that's a shovel or a pan head, I can't tell from here. Right. But that was one of my favorites. Just super clean, older bike. Looks relatively stock, you know, save for the belt drive. But I like that one. Just very clean. All right. And the other one I liked, which, of course, is going to my sporting direction. Let me see if I can find you a number. Uh, actually, John, there's an older Indian that looks just like it. As you're scrolling through. It's picture number 51, uh, bike 171. So it's an older Indian. It's a 48 Chief. So it's a flathead engine, you know, full skirted fenders. Also a spring front end. That's another nice one. Okay. That's a classic. I'm sorry. I'm trying to find my. I'm sorry to kind of be like this. It's just, oh, yeah, I see what you mean. The classic. Yeah. I, I guess. I was hoping, I mean, I'm not trying to 
go through. I mean, so I thought maybe the venue, I thought maybe technology would have changed, different show. Not really. And actually, Mike, Mike pointed out several bikes that we've seen before, once if not more than once. Yeah, you're seeing that. I mean, I guess as I sit here and look at this, the bike that blows my mind is one Justin does. I still, I mean, I know it's maybe a different class, but Triumph, yeah, that Triumph that he built, that it's just, I, I, I guess that's my style, or something. The best one I'd say that I look at your pictures is I think the Harley on twenty eight. Yeah, that's the other one I was going to tell you. That's an FXR. I would say that's probably in my book. That's probably one of the ones I liked. I like what they did with those Michelin wheel, Michelin wheels, and have it red highlighted. Yeah, the tires. Yeah, the tires. So I mean, that's just me. I just don't like the big wheels. Yeah. So I, I have a prediction on the big wheel baggers. You ready? Right, which, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's going to make a wheel so big that it's going to be taller than the handlebars, and it's going to block your vision. And that's going to kill it. That's going to end the trend right there. <laughs> uh, I hate to tell you, we'll look at number 36 because 36 is there. Yeah, there's some of them. They're like, oh, man, 36? No. that We saw that bike last time we were there. That's the one that had the auto clutch. Okay. Remember that? Um, I forget the, what was it, Cycle Works? Twin City Cycle Works? Okay. And the guys who built that one. Yeah, that so, one's that one's getting close, but they're. I I don't know if they can make the wheels any larger at this point. But it's got to come to an end at some point, right? Just the trend has just got to. At some point, fade. You would think, and I thought there'd be more vintage, but it was like a little small corral this year. I don't yeah, know. but you're not impressed. I can tell, you were expecting something different. I was, and I guess, as I would say, I know I didn't make it because I had to do some side work stuff. I kind of would have said that I know you talked to Lloyd. Yeah, that was yeah. the highlight of the show for me, to be completely honest. Say, I probably would have enjoyed that instead of all the bikes. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I know we need to talk about the bikes. But since a lot of them have been repeats, like you guys are saying, I'm not sure. I mean, you point out you like that black vintage bike and yeah, the Harley and the Indian. Um, now, there is one advantage to that venue that I'll point out. All right. And that is they had the classic cars in their own their own wing, which was pretty cool. It was neat to walk through there and, and just see all the cars because in prior years they were kind of, well, I guess they were always off to one side. No, I take that back. They were always in one section, but you know, where the convention center was one big open floor, now you had like a whole wing that was just, you know, classic cars, custom cars, which I thought was kind of neat. Cool. That is that is nice. I, you didn't get any pictures of those cars, so I can't say, say anything about the cars. No, I think Bryce was a little tired at that point, but I also think um, he doesn't really care. I mean, he is like, he's into bikes. Right. You know, custom cars, classic cars, doesn't really bother him that much. He does like anything with a Hemi in it, but that's about it. He, he likes, he does it or doesn't? He does. I can't but, imagine where he gets that from. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where he gets that from. Hmm. Cannot imagine. 
Yeah. So I had I had one other custom I just want to point out, John. So if you're looking at the pictures, it's 73. Okay. Um, it's not a it's not something I would ride, but I I love the look of it. It's super low. It's a long, low bike with like a crazy drop seat. It's red, um, red with I guess that's cream color down the side, and it has somebody's take on a Springer front end. It's it's hard to describe, but I'll have to put this one in the show notes because I like this one as well. It's right. just super low, long, and and it's a different different look from some of those bikes that I've seen in the past. Hmm. Now, it's not a rider for me, but it's just wicked to look at. I see you got. As we're talking about jumping all over the place here with pictures, I see you got on the uh, FDR twelve hundred. I did. That's pretty cool. And what you think? I think I want to ride it. Now after sitting on it, I'm like, yeah, I want to ride this thing. Hmm. It feels. Uh, I think I said it in the clubhouse. Eerily similar to an FC. Yeah, I mean I, that's I think where it's you kind of sit there and look at it. Yeah, but those exhaust pipes. Yeah, I'm not feeling that. Shooting straight up. Mm. I don't looks, need that. You could just cut off a little shorty right there at the bottom and be done with it. Right. But yeah, overall, I thought it was, it, it felt a lot like the FZ, you know, in terms of the way your feet are. You know, it's definitely a sporting position, um, mostly upright. I like the bars. I did like the feel of the bars. The bike felt relatively light. And the seat was strangely firm, but it had the shape was like perfect to your butt, which was kind of odd. It was like, <laughs> like an old rigid tractor seat. You ever sit on one of those? Yes. Like an old tractor that has the metal pan seat and it's like dished out and your butt fits perfectly. Yeah. And it's comfortable even though it's just a piece of metal. It kind of reminded me of that. Like it, it, it fit your butt, but it was hard as a rock. <laughs> mm. So I don't know how that would be on a long trip. But yeah, good looking bike. I can't can't wait to ride one of those. I see there was a Roadmaster there. Yeah, I did not sit on that. Why not? I don't want a Roadmaster. Oh, okay. All right. So, what other did you see any new cool motorcycle technology? No, I didn't look at too many vendors, though. To be honest. Well, I meant like custom builders, anything new on bikes that you haven't seen before that somebody's doing? I didn't notice. Okay. Nope. I was a little bit like you. We kind of looked at the bikes and it was like, eh, a lot of big wheel baggers. I did spend some time looking at vintage because, of course, I like those. Um, Jeweled over that FXR quite a bit and then spent the rest of the time talking to Lloyd. Okay. Which was cool. So, okay, no, no, anything... I'm I'm trying to dig for anything else on the bikes. Course. You're trying to dig before we close the show down. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, hmm. well, I guess that my only thing is I'd I'd love to reach out to Easy Riders and see how they did with the two day show and with the new venue because you know it, it didn't seem as as lively as as in the past. And the interesting thing was this was the last show, and they went from I think. Six or eight down to four, right? Four, four, four venues. And Charlotte was the last one, so that kind of makes it 
kind of I'd feel like it's going down. Yeah. I mean I if it, if the trend continues, it's not too much of a stretch to think that the show would just end. Yeah. You know, the way it's going. So that's a concern, I would say. And why did they do two days in Charlotte? Is it because Charlotte was the bigger platform? So that would make sense because they did that when it ended in was it Cleveland before? Wherever it ended before, they did two days. So I think that's probably what it is, is they wrap it up and crown the champion and uh, the champion builder for the for the circuit. Right. Hmm. But it was cool. I'm glad they still come to Charlotte. I, like I am too. I'm glad they the better. come to Charlotte. Um, would, did you think they should go back to that venue again next year, or you think they should go back to the convention center? Oh, that's a tough one. The, the only way you go back to the convention center is you got to have enough bikes to fill the space. Right. Because the year that they shortened it, that felt weird. I mean, I liked it at the convention center just because it's uptown. There's a ton of things to do. There's, there's not as much out by the park expo, you know, at least at the convention center, you can, you can walk to places to eat, places to get a drink, mm-hmm. you know, different parking options, you know, this other place but you still have to pay for parking, so that's not an advantage, and you're a little bit further outside the city. So when we were done, we had to get in the car and drive off to some place to get food. Right. You know, there was a little bit, there was some food there to eat, but, you know, I wanted to go to a, a sit-down place. So I would rather see it in Uptown, but only if they can fill the space. Okay. Well. But I'd be curious. So, yeah, I'm going to reach out to Easy Rider, see if we can get someone to compare the two and... Maybe they can talk about next year. Right. Okay. Um, I see Bryce made a a stage appearance. He did? What did he get to do? Well, what they were doing at the Indian booth is um, they had a, a section set up called Lloyd's Garage, and they had a dyno, a mobile dyno. So they had rolled bikes up on there and, I think you said it was every like hour and a half or so they were, they were doing a dyno pull, you know, so you could see, you know, see what the bikes are putting out and just kind of draw people into the section. It was pretty neat. Okay. So they had run, oh man, I wish I had a picture of it. They ran a Springfield with the Thunderstroke 116 before we got there. Okay. And if I get the numbers right, I'm sure Sir Mike will correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like 119 horsepower i believe but it was like 160 foot pounds of torque oh and this thing was not it was not supercharged from what i could tell okay well the supercharger is on the other side of the bike so i'd have to check but I, I don't believe it was um so that was pretty cool and then when bryce was up there they had rolled a scout up onto the platform and the final pull that they did i believe they were around 104 horsepower from the the 1200 Hmm. Which was cool. And the Scout sounds amazing because it, it revs out to 8,000 and, you know, it takes a while to wind that up on the dyno. So it sounds really cool. Had a had a pipe on it. So Mike is correcting you, 119 horsepower and 163 torque. Yeah. It was a pretty big number. We did not get to hear that one make a pull, but they had the results on the screen. That's awesome. That was neat. But yeah, Bryce got, uh, Lloyd took him up onto the stage and he got, 
you know, set of headphones and he got the stand right next to the bike while he did the pull, which was neat. And then he was kind of being the, the little hype man for the crowd. So yeah. Trying to get him to stand up and, you know, shake his fist and stuff. I see that. I see he was trying to get him to do stuff. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was a good time. So I guess we can talk about what we talked about most, which is kind of the future of, of Indian and um, his purchase of the dealership. All right. So him and Tim from, I believe it's coastal, coastal Indian are the co-owners now of, of Indian of Charlotte. And I know we've talked about that before in a prior episode, uh, but it was just neat to hear his excitement and enthusiasm of, of where the products are going in the future. And, you know, there's definitely some things coming in the fall that he told us to stay tuned for, you know, real exciting stuff that, you know, as a horsepower guy, he's all, he's all jazzed up. All right. I won't dig any farther. How's that? <laughs> well, we did talk about the FTR platform. So, uh, that that's a new and exciting platform for them. The reservations are going very well on that. Um, as I understand, uh, that's a bike, like I said, I want to ride and, you know, they're certainly expecting more models to come off of that platform, you know, which would only make sense from Indian. Now, since you got this little more connection with, with Lloyd down there, you're going to be able to sneak down there, maybe get some different demo rides on some Indians. Uh, I would imagine. <laughs> so I, I was also talking to Tim for a bit. So he's, he's the other owner. And he spends some time here in Charlotte, so we're going to go go over and, and get some time with him since we've had Lloyd on the show before. So right. we'll go down and talk to Tim first, and then we'll go back and forth. Cool, it'd be awesome. Get you know maybe good to get Tim on the on the show. So Mr. Anderson wants me to dig. So anything else you can tell me? Um, <laughs> just that. What was I going to? How did I want to say it? Just that the product that he sees coming down the road is what excites him most about the brand. And, you know, we know he's a former victory guy. He's well known in the victory world for making horsepower and he, he worked with them as well. So obviously when they, they put that brand out to pasture, he then switched over to Indian and they're making great gains in that front. So, you know, what he's seeing in the future is, is really got him excited. So I'm, I'm excited now to see what's coming out in the future. So I don't know if that's enough to keep the money in my pocket in the next six months, but right. I would like to, I'd like to wait and see what happens. That that's, that's very true. And I see that he had a, uh, was a victory cross country there. Yeah. That's a used one that was for sale. 2015. I mean, that just, I don't know, just that motor just looks. You like it? Don't like it? No, I like it. I, I, I don't know what it is. I just like how I would say between that and then Roadmaster or the Chieftain, I think I just like it better. It just looks better. Wait, you like the victory over the Roadmaster? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. My guess is what you like is how smooth. The cylinder heads are. There's no, there's no push rods. There's nothing to, to. There's nothing to break those lines on the cylinder heads. It's just a solid bank of fins. 
I'm yeah. guessing that's probably what you like. Because if you look at the Harley right in the background, you know, you see the push rods and air cleaner and all that versus on that, on that victory, it's, it's yeah. a slim air cleaner and you just see the full cylinder head. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. And maybe because it's unique and different and just. Yeah. And the right side of the Indian has a lot going on because it has the push rods and the exhaust comes out, you know, where it kind of makes it look like a flathead, even though it's not. So there's, there's a lot going on on the right side of an Indian. Yep. And it's better than the Scout because the Scout looks too plain because water cooled and there's no fins on it. And, you know, the Scout t- engine to me looks plain. It needs something. So hopefully they can fix that, you know, with the, you know, the FTR and some of the things they have coming is, you know, po- have the power plant be a, something pleasing to look at. Correct. And I don't know. It's just, I don't know. The Indian just, or I should say the Victory just looks different, cleaner. Oh, so maybe they can get those lines and come in with it. Maybe that's what they're doing is something trying to maybe bring some of the styling over from victory into a new Indian. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, it'd be, it'd be nice to see, you know, we, we kind of bemoaned that when they went away is, is like, dang, all that, all that good, um, technology and, and whatnot in victory. It would be a shame to see that go away. So. Maybe they'll inject some of that into the brand, even though it'll have an Indian badge on it. You know, it may have some victory at the heart. Right. And that may be enough to keep the money in the pocket for a few months. Yeah. But you know I like that Magnum. Alrighty. Yeah, I know you do. Hmm. Um, let's see. One other thing Lloyd mentioned is on the 23rd of February, we're going to make it out to the dealership he has an unveiling going on for a charity bike they're doing. So they've got, uh, I believe it's called the thin blue line is they are, they've created a bike for that for charity. That's going to be unveiled and then they're going to ride it. They're going to, sorry, they're going to send it to California and then they're going to ride it from there back to the East coast. So, uh, that's a charity event coming up and the unveiling of the bike, like I said, it'll be the 23rd. So, uh, Lloyd has invited us over for that. Awesome. So so this is a custom bike that they built? What's that? So what's the bike again real quick? It's a custom Indian made it for Charlotte? Yeah, it's a custom bike they made for a charity, for a fallen police officer's charity. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. Cool. So yeah, we'll get some more on that. If they have a website or anything, we'll certainly share it and um, hopefully something to come from it while we're there awesome so that's it i think uh anything else on the show not really i did i did go a lot later than in the past (laughs) right you know historically i would go like in the middle part of the day and and stay till the mid-afternoon but didn't make it over until later almost four o'clock and then stayed until right when it closed at seven so i think that's some of the crowd thinness towards the end of the day. So maybe that's just what I was feeling, but you know, certainly once we left the main area and went down below, you know, it did, it did feel thin. Hmm. Well, hopefully they had better crowd in the middle of the day where they had more people. And yeah. And there was still all of Sunday to go. So right. Sunday could have been the bigger day this year. Who knows? Don't know. It was, uh, the weekend was good. I mean, weather wise, I think people might've been out riding too. So, 
That's true. Well, it was still cold though. I mean, it was only, what was it up by you? It just, I don't think it maybe made 50. It was up in the mid fifties on Sunday. I don't remember what Saturday was. So. Gotcha. All right, John, I'll let you uh, get ready for some U-turning and we'll go ahead and thank some people here for a minute. So we'll take a moment here and recognize the people who continue to make our show possible. And we do that by thanking the Riders of Loud Pipes for their continued support. Our first five group, Marcus, Rickard, Edward, Jebby, and Zion. We have the Slack Pack, which is Chuck, Nobby Tire, Old Man Slacker, Sir Mike, and the executive producer of Chaos and Mayhem, who you're going to see pretty soon, right, John? April? I am going to see him in April. Barbershop, Stephen and Jacob. Loud Pipes Racing Group is Sean Birch. And then we have Steve, Micah, Kenny, Dangerous Dave, James, Bronco Ride, Rich, Joe, and Tony makes up the Riders group. And then we have Darren, the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast, Jared, Kale, and David are the insiders. So we appreciate all the support, no matter the size. If you would like to show your support and join this group, check out loudpipes.net slash donate. And you can see all we have there to offer. John, we have a little bit more to talk about on the RT. Yes, I see that. So you have you found a couple more negatives, huh? Well, one of them is for me personally, and the other one may just be the way the bike, the bike itself is. The first thing I'll say is that the shift assist pro, they call it, okay, basically the quick shifter. I found that that was not nearly as smooth as the XR that I rode, the S one thousand XR. Um, completely different powertrains. I realize the XR is an inline four and the RT is a, a boxer, you know, an opposed twin. So most of what I was feeling was really the one, one to two shift where it has to go up through neutral. But even the, the second shift wasn't all that great. But then as I, as I rode it, tried a few things. And of course I asked Doug on the ride about it and he was telling me to, to keep the throttle pinned when you, when you're making that shift and not try to like shift and let off or anything, just kind of keep it pinned, click it up to the gears. Um, that certainly helped, but it still took getting up to around a three, four shift before, before it really felt like it did on the XR. So just those first couple of shifts were really not smooth at all. Hmm. Interesting. So that was just the thing I kind of noticed. And when I get around to putting the video out, you'll see it. I, you know, I take off and I hit the shifter and the bike kind of lurches a little bit and then it shifts. And I think I comment a couple of times about how, how rough it was. Now, I wonder, was the bike warmed up at all? Or did you like start straight up and, you know, take off? I think it was warmed up enough. I mean, I didn't start using it till about midway into the first segment. So, yeah, I didn't just run out of the parking lot and start jamming it. You know, it was... So when you leave the dealership, you take that right, and we went down towards the twisty road and then head back towards the highway. So once I hit the twisty road, then I tried it. So the bike had been running for probably 15 minutes at that point. So I would think it would be up to temp. I was just wondering if maybe something with the bike didn't get warmed up and with pressure or something, it just didn't get worked out yet. And But I would think probably 
you know, like you said, 15 minutes, I would think it'd be worked out. Yeah, it is a brand new bike too. So it only had, I don't know, a hundred, I don't even think I had a hundred miles on it. So yeah, I'll give it some of that. And just understanding the engine character and, you know, that one, two shift is a long throw anyway, you know, just, just not as smooth as it was on that XR. Right. Hmm. And I'm not sure. I think we, we even debated this on a prior show. I'm not even sure I see the value on a bike like that. You know, I'm, I'm touring, I'm cruising around, you know, unless I'm really getting after it. I don't know that it adds all that much to the experience. Yeah. Well, they're doing it to make it easier for people. Yeah. And something like something that's really sporty, you know, like the XR or even their, their, their full on sport bikes. I, I totally get it. Yeah. But I, I don't know on the, on the RT that I don't know that I would necessarily want it okay. with, with that, with that engine combination. Okay. I'm sorry. I cut you off. Go ahead. No, you're good. <laughs> so is there anything else? The other thing I had was that the, bike this is just for me personally i think it's still a lot of bike for me i mean i i enjoyed the wind protection i enjoy all the features that i had all the tech but i think for me it's just still a lot of bike and uh, sir mike and i talked about this after the show in terms of what i'm looking for and you know he kind of thinks that the magnum is still a good bike for me and it is overall but it's a lot of bike still i don't really want the heavy touring bike you know, I really do want something lighter and more nimble. Right. So that was the only thing. And I think it's just for me personally, I think it's still a lot of bike. Okay. And I, I don't, sorry, I don't have the chat room open. So <laughs> if he's giving me grief, I'm I'm not looking. No, 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 no. Um, there's another topic. So we'll just keep going. Okay. And we also had some feedback on the topic that I wanted to share. So as part of our sport touring conversation, we referenced some articles on the riding obsession.com, uh, which is a, you know, a, a website where they have a lot of articles and, and information and things like that. But they also have a podcast, which we talked about and the, uh, editor in chief sent me an email right after the show last week. So that was pretty neat. Right. Cool. So he, yeah, he thanked us for the, for the mention and, and provided some additional detail, which I will also share in our show notes today. Uh, for people to go check out some additional articles and a really neat link on ergonomics. There was a website called Cycle Ergo, um, cycle-ergo.com, and it was really cool to go in and, and just pick a bike and look at the different geometry of, okay, this is how much of a knee bend you're going to have. This is how far you lean forward. I probably spent an hour on that site the other night <laughs> just looking at different bikes. That that's pretty awesome. There's some cool sites that help you find position, help you understand it. I know like K and M has one for the spider where you put in size and tells you what position you should, you know, set the bike up for too. So Yeah. Yeah. They got some cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is since they they are doing a podcast, we may we may collaborate with them in the future. Either have them on um this was Rob Robin Dean who sent me the email. So either have them on the show or go on their show or maybe both. Yeah, and Bacon's telling you he you need to go ride a, the Tiger twelve hundred. I know Bacon; it's on the list. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what else do we have? 
Let's see. U-turn wise, I think that was it. I wanted to make sure we covered the the RT because as as I listened back to 148, as I went through the list, I realized I really didn't have a negative of the bike, um, which was unfair because, like I said, I didn't enjoy the Shift Assist Pro and and I still think it's a little too much bike for me. All right. Well. And then the feedback from Robin as well. Cool. So that's it there. You want to talk about racing? Yeah, let's talk about racing. Did we get racing? any racing? What type of racing are we talk about? Hold on. Well, we have two kinds of racing to talk about this week. There is Loud Pipes Racing. Okay. Which has its own website, loudpipesracing.com. Is the place to go if you want to see what we're supporting this year. And, and if you want to give support, that is a specific link for uh, one-time racing support. So we mentioned that there's a, there's a whole Patreon level for the ongoing monthly donation. But if you just want to do a, a one-time, that's the site to do that. Um, I also want to share that the stickers are on their way. So to Brian Honeycutt, I sent him out a pack of the new Loud Pipes stickers, the die-cut ones, as well as the Loud Pipes racing vinyl that Kenny did. Sweet. And if you can stall for one second, I have to get the name of the racing group that he's riding in <laughs> for this year. All right, so we'll stall for a little bit. Da-na-na-na. No, not like that. Da-na. All right, I have it right here. So the racing series for this year is the 2019 NorCal Moto Championship Series. So that's what he's going to be running in. It looks like the first race is February 17th, coming up at the Stockton Little 99 uh, track day will be the first one. And then round one of the championship will be March 9th through the 10th. So it looks like the first time our stickers will be out there will be mid-February and the first part of March. Sweet. And then let's see, end of March and then the end of April. And then by then, I should have my own out on the track. I hope all goes well. Okay. I'm, I'll grab my fingers crossed for you. Man, I hope so. I got to get the bike back together, though. I haven't had much time to work on it. No, no wrenching on that, huh? No. Too much podcast stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Podcast, well, for Loud Pipes, MPC, uh, Moto Nobody's did a show, plus the new show coming up. So we mentioned that before. We have... uh Sir Mike is doing a show, so we'll be launching that here pretty soon. And he settled on a name. It's called uh, Shut Up and Ride, which is what the Sir stands for, S-U-R. So we'll be putting that out here probably in the next couple of days. Okay. Sweet. 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 Yeah, so a lot of back office stuff going on in the last week or so. Yeah. MPC about ready. We did a final show with that recorded that that'll be coming out what in a couple weeks rich which one mpc with rules uh no with the winning team oh the okay yeah so we had our <laughs> sorry i was thinking about the rules in the video <laughs> no, no um no, no. yeah we released the episode for that we had with brother bacon we have one more to release with um creative writing writers and then last week we did the video live stream with Team Throttled, which will be out probably next week. Because the other one will come out in a couple of days, and then that one will come out next week. All right. And then probably what? 
by the end of February, we should have the show going over 2019 rules. That's what we're shooting for. Use the rest of February to finish and fine tune and get all the back office stuff in order and then launch the 2019 iteration of the MPC uh, by March 1st. It's the target. Sweet. Okay. Sounds like an awesome time. So, talking about challenge. Now, now, shall we talk about the other event that was going on this past weekend? Oh, you mean the Monsoon 24? Yeah. 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 Ah, uh, the Rolex well, 20. Go ahead. Well, unfortunately, you missed the dry part. I did. I missed all the good racing. So the, the Rolex 24 at Daytona uh, was this past weekend. And, of course, I was at Easy Riders and doing other things, so I didn't watch the racing during the day. But, man, I settled in in the evening, and I'm getting ready to watch racing. And, of course, I fell asleep a little bit and woke up. But then it seemed like it rained from midnight until they called it the next day. Yeah, I don't know what time the rain started. I just know I went to bed, and then I get up around 6.30, and it was raining. I'm like, hmm. Then they red flagged it, and then they got it reopened, and then they started going green, which I have no idea why they went green, and I know the drivers were sticking the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then there's a rack, and then they run around, you know, thing, and and they sit there, and maybe people that don't follow it, and I've always talked about this, why they run the cars because you know the cars have these big ass tires on it, they're low to the ground, exhaust, so they can help dry the track. Because I think all they had there was one jet dryer. And one sweeper truck. That's it. Well, what was the one they had? There was a couple of them I saw. They had a small jet dryer on the front and then a bigger one on the back. That's the one I saw most of the time. That's the only one they had. Oh, it was just one truck. It was just one truck. Oh, man. (laughs) On a three, what, three and a half mile track? Yeah, that's not going to cut it. So they had that and kind of like a, I think they had like a sweeper truck. And then they had like another little utility dang vehicle with a brush on it that they were pushing water off. And that was it. Yeah. Well, let's give people some background. So there was a lot of rain in Daytona over the weekend and they had a couple of red flags. Well, the first time they've had two red flag incidents in a race and then they ended it under the red flag just due to the rain. And it actually seems to be more to poor drainage. The water just pools up in places of the track and it just doesn't go anywhere. Right. So obviously not on the high banks, but through the infield where the racing is going on, on the road course section, just water pools up everywhere and just created a disaster for those cars. So in the live stream, Kane says they got rain tires. Yes, they have rain tires. They run them, but they are hydroplaning at that. And the DPIs, which is the top of the class, as I was watching it, Mm-hmm. They were just any little bit of rain underneath them. They just you know skid through and everything. Yeah, they the, the one interview I heard the way they explained it is that there was so much water they couldn't run fast enough to get the downforce for the cars to stick on the track, and because the suspension is so stiff, if you're not cranking it at a certain speed, it's just like driving on you know a skateboard down the road. There's no suspension. And it just slides all over the place if you can't get enough speed to make the downforce. So it was just treacherous conditions for the the prototype cars. Yeah, and I know they're talking about how the 
Let's see. Um, GTLMs, and then there's GTDs. They're commenting that GTDs could probably outrun the GTLMs in this condition. Correct, because they're the closest to street, and they rely on arrow, arrow the least, so they can utilize the wet tires more. And any of them that are um, all-wheel driven would have that advantage as well. So, talking about your class of GTLM, how's your vets do? I know the number four crashed at one point, and they ended up getting it back out there, but I, I don't think they made the top five at the end. They did not. So, I know you. I don't think you went back and watched it. Uh, beginning of the race, the three and the four, which are both the Corvettes, so you know the three is the top team right four is the second one down they were pitting by each other and they came in and kind of tagged each other yeah i saw that they so they had a little a small run in on pit road which then so the four ran into the three i think is what it was yeah the four ran into the three three ended up doing some work but then later uh the number four car crashed hard and i know they spent quite a while working on that car yeah i think it was when the rain came out and they just lost it so it was uh, it was interesting. Yeah. So, but the Fords didn't do well either. They had a rough a rough go of it. Yeah, they wrecked. Uh, they had a, during the rain. They had a big wreck. I know Joey Han was running and he wrecked and caused a major issue. So yeah. So other was raining. I am so glad we didn't go. Oh, same here. And it was cold. <laughs> oh, I think it was colder than when we went. Yeah. It's cold, wet, just miserable. I mean, I guess the first. The first eight to ten hours were probably pretty good, and then you would have wanted to go home. The when the sun went down, it got cold. They were talking about it. They're talking about the grip on the tires and cold, and mm-hmm. they're in a, uh, you know, they had the pit box stuff and up there, and they had gloves. I think they said they had a hundred thousand people there. No kidding. Is at the event, and I will say that I think that series is catching on. Because NBC Sports ran, covered, I saw that I, while I was watching, had 25 hours of coverage. Yeah, I watched it on NBCSN. Well, I, I watched it. <laughs> I watched the inside of my eyelids for some time, some of it, but <laughs> I had it on at home for the entire duration once I got back to the house. Yeah, I mean, so they had it, um, I know, from 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock. It was on TV. Then they went to streaming only. Yeah. And, uh, excuse me. Nap time. Nap time. At nine o'clock, they went back over and they ran until nine to like three. And then from three to six, streaming, and from six on, they. So. And, and Bacon, you say you don't see 100K people. You have to understand that. I know when Rich and I went. You have to see the infield. You have to see the infield. You have to see it's not in the stands. I mean, there it is so spread out that people could be anywhere. People could be like camping. People could be sleeping. You know, going back and forth. So, what did, you, right. what did you think of the race overall? I mean, you watched the earlier part of it. It it seemed like the the classes were pretty evenly matched. Or, I mean, oh, yeah. the cars within the classes. Sorry, is what I meant. Yeah, the cars were, I mean, the Daytona prototypes, I mean, they were running. You had um, the Cadillacs were up there. The Mazdas were running up until they had um, something where they both, the, both the Mazda DPIs went out. 
um, within like 10 minutes each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Acros were up there running as well. So it was pretty cool. Oh, and what was really awesome is um, Alex is an arty. So oh, I never. Yeah. Yeah. So he was an indie card. Was it IndyCar he wrecked? Yeah, I believe it was in early 2000s. He had a massive IndyCar crash and ended up uh, losing his legs. Right. So he was, um, so he's big in Paralympics and doing um, cycling mm-hmm. and hand driving cycling and stuff. And they built BMW, worked with him and built a car that could, he could drive with his hands only. And just to see him go out there, run it. And I think he was three tenths of a second off other racers or stuff, but he was, I mean, he was moving and it touched me really cool. So kudos to him for his ability and everything else. And yeah. And they worked with, they worked with BMW to, to engineer the the steering wheel that had all the hand controls, which was pretty neat. They had a neat little feature on that. Yeah. I mean, it was a great series and I'm excited. I'm ready to see Sebring. I want to try to, I think I want to try as I maybe try to see if I can get more of the racing this year and watch more of it. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I like the endurance races because I was talking about it with, um, with my wife over the weekend. She's like, why do you like to, to watch a race that goes for 24 hours? It's like, she, I mean, she, her analysis was right. She said, you couldn't sit through a three hour NASCAR race. Why can you sit through a 24 hour race? And I was explaining, it's not so much that I'm going to watch it for 24 hours, but it's something I can follow for an entire day. Right. I can listen to the audio. I can watch a little bit of it. I can catch, you know, the, the recap actions and the different pit changes and driver changes. It's just something that I can follow for a longer period of time and just, I don't know. It's just a better product for whatever reason. I think it's maybe more excitement, more unknown. There's more of a race. It doesn't get down to the point of, I mean, you got car changes, you're doing stuff. Not only the driver has, you have to have, you know, a team of drivers that can compete and you have a car that's going to compete. Well, I, I like the race within the race. So the, the multi-classes all running at the same time. I think that's just really cool to see. Yeah, I mean, there are so many gotchas that could happen. I mean, DPI is flying, could be leading, and a GTD could make some stupid mistake and wreck it. Yep. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot more obstacles. It's not just, you know, I've often said that about NASCAR. Like, they should have some sort of race, even if it was just an exhibition, where they put the three classes on at the same time. You know, not 40 cars of each class, but let's say you take the top 10 or 15 from, you know, cup and the second tier and the truck series. I don't even know what the second tier is called anymore. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say Bush series. I, I know I, it's not I don't Bush. Know what it's called anymore. <laughs> but take and, and run all three of them together. I thought that, I think that would be an interesting race to have three races going on at the same time. Right. On the oval. An interesting thing is I didn't realize that I think the top series or NASCAR now top team has changed to uh, Mustangs and Camaros as a platform cars. You're talking about the the platforms in NASCAR? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, the Camaro's been a couple years now. 
Oh, Kenny says Xfinity. Xfinity. Yeah, that's right. So, funny. All right. Moving on. Yeah. Event? Events. Yeah. We've got some events coming up, don't we? We do. So, the Progressive International Motorcycle Show, it's not looking good for me at this point. No? Okay. No. I'm still going to leave it on here, but, you know, that's, that's, that's not looking great. Okay. Uh, next is going to be the unveiling of the charity bike that we mentioned at Indian Motorcycles of Charlotte. That'll be February 23rd. Okay. So we should get some more information on that for the next episode. Uh, let's see. Brother Bacon, flat track racing. He says he's going March 23rd in Atlanta. Now, I wonder, John, can you do a quick search while I go through the list? Supercross in Atlanta. What weekend is that? Um, next is April 12th through the 14th. John's going to Austin for the MotoGP race and shenanigans. I will be taking in the congregation show uh, in Charlotte here. That's on the 13th. And we also talked about May 9th through the 29th is the fourth annual Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. John has the East Coast Moto Amino slash Dragon Crew Meetup in Salisbury. That's June 1st. Um, the next one is a big one. Get out your pen and paper. What? Man, what do I got to do? 2019 Loud Pipes Meetup. Okay. Where are we doing it? In the Eastern West Virginia slash Western Virginia area. Okay. Will be the weekend of June. Uh huh. Which one do we talk about? 23rd, 22nd, 23rd. <laughs> <laughs> I blew it. You blew it, buddy. You blew it. <laughs> that oh. big setup and I blew it. <laughs> Did. It's tw- you did have it right. <laughs> yeah, June. Well, we could say 21, 22, 23. So yep. we'll work out the details. But go ahead and save that weekend and get ready to ride to Virginia, West Virginia area. And we'll have a good time. Yep. Um, John's also planning to do the Gettysburg Bike Week July 11th through 14th. And I think that's also maybe for me. Oh. We'll say as of now. Oh. Antiques on Maine and Chesney, South Carolina, July 27th through 29th. I would love to do that. August 9th, John's going upstate New York. And then May of 2020, Isle of Man for me, Sturgis for John, although that's August. So that's some long-range planning. Yep. All right, so to answer your question, motocross is in Atlanta on March 2nd. Oh, it's early. Okay. In fact, talking about that, I did catch a little bit of that this past weekend. It was good. Yeah, I enjoyed, um, what was it, San Diego? No, which what was this weekend? Oakland. Oakland. Yeah, the 450 final, I really enjoyed the, the main. Sorry, the 450 main was, I thought it was a good race. And Roger was happy because KTM came out 1-2. Who, uh, let, me, let me look something up. Continue on, I'm going to look something <laughs> Yeah, that's it. But I I watched a little. I've watched a couple different rounds of Supercross this year, and and it's good racing. I haven't I haven't watched it much in the past, but it's really good. It's really good action. I'm trying to get the kids into it so I can take them out to take them out to the track, and of course maybe get bikes of their own here someday. So yeah, Supercross March third. I might have to put that on the list. Ground on. We'll bother Brother Hogan for a little bit. Um, who's doing well? I guess we'll share with everyone that, you know, Hogan's hanging in there. Still got a lot on his plate, but 
still check in with him every couple of days. He's, he's doing all right. Awesome. Anything else? Anything else? Um, no, I can't think of anything else. Well, we'll prepare for the downshift. And again, thank the Riders of Loud Pipes for their continued support. If you're interested in joining this group and supporting the show, please visit loudpipes.net slash donate. The next live show for this week will be Thursday, January 31st at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. That's going to be another spoken wheel, and it's going to be around planning for 2019. You can join us live this week, loudpipes.net slash live, although we might be using Google Hangouts, something John doesn't know, so we'll have to talk about that after the show. If uh, we end up using Mixler as usual, you can join us in the chat room, or if we switch to if we switch to YouTube, there's a chat room there as well for this week. And additional information from this episode, including some links and images, can be found on the website, loudpipes.net slash 149. We have links there to leave us feedback, subscribe to the show, and of course, follow us on social media. Johnny John, I thank you once again. Thanks, man. Kickstands up. Yep, let's roll. Parking break off, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> Good night. Night. Thank you for listening. Please consider supporting the show. We offer generous rewards for your contribution. Find more details at loudpipes.net forward slash donate.